The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So, welcome back, and it's a pleasure, a delight to see many of your names here and see that you're coming back and participating. And it's uh, day two of this Intro to Meditation uh, series, par- uh, part two, of the second day of part two of Introduction to Meditation. And uh, the main topic of this part two for these uh, eight days is um, working with the challenges of meditation and specifically working with what's called the five hindrances. And these five hindrances are used as representations for all the things that can be challenging in meditation. That um, And how we learn to work with the hindrances maybe is useful for many of the different challenges that come up and and uh, find our way through and to wake up, to learn to be mindful. And um, it probably it's uh, maybe nice to begin by emphasizing that one of the core principles, values of the Dharma, of Buddhism, teachings of the Buddha, is the importance of paying attention, the importance of being present in a clear, aware way for whatever is happening in the present moment. And uh, there's no doctrine connected to that. It it doesn't have to be in and of itself. It's a basic human capacity that we're trying to cultivate and strengthen and deepen with the idea that um, by being clearly aware, we can start seeing some of the underlying patterns, underlying influences, underlying assumptions, underlying beliefs, underlying emotions that are really driving us and moving us along and often in unconscious ways, and sometimes in driven ways, where we're caught in the grip of beliefs, of ideas, of attachments, of desires. And we kind of lose our freedom. We lose our inner capacity for uh, free, open awareness, where we can live a life of wise choice. We can live wisely. And so the idea of becoming aware, paying attention, is so central to Buddhism, so much so that there is a... uh, teaching from uh, Japanese uh, Zen of a um, in Japanese Zen masters uh, in, in addition to being Zen masters are often known to be great calligraphers and people often want from a great Zen master they'll want their calligraphy and so a person came with a beautiful silk paper and and um, and beautiful wonderful ink and gifted it to the Zen master and and said, could you please um, write down the most profound and important and central teachings of Buddhism so I can hang it on my wall and be reminded all the time. And so the Zen master thought for a little bit and nodded and took out the paper and brush and did this beautiful calligraphy for the Japanese character for attention and handed it to the person who asked. And the person looked at it and said, no, no, you don't seem to understand. I want the most essential, the most profound teachings of, of the Dharma, of Buddhism, the most profound and significant that really inspires me. And the Zen master said, oh, now I understand. Okay. And took out another piece of paper and wrote the character uh, attention 
And then again, attention, twice, and handed the paper to the person. And the person said, no, no, you don't understand. I'm an important person. I've studied Buddhism a lot. I really understand what it's all about. I really need something that really touches some of the most deepest, valuable, most profound, most sophisticated, most um, intelligent, most, uh, you know, wisest teachings of Buddhism. It's a wisdom tradition after all. And um, and so then... Uh, the Zen, uh, the master, master said, "Oh, now I understand what you want. Okay, let me do this again." And took out the paper, the brush, and then wrote across the paper, "Attention, attention, attention." So this story uh, emphasizes that how important attention is, and that in order to really cultivate a strong capacity for real relaxed, open, wise, luminous awareness of what's happening now, um, one has to kind of work with the challenges to that, the ways in which we're not paying attention, the way we get distracted, caught up, preoccupied. And the kind of the little secret, the open secret of Buddhism is that one of the best ways of getting to the kind of this clear, luminous, valuable, wise attention of mindfulness is, in fact, by bringing attention to what makes it difficult. Rather than taking the difficulties as being difficulties, rather than seeing them as being unfortunate, uh, feeling aversion to them, or feeling somehow discouraged by them, they're actually the royal road to really uh, developing and cultivating great awareness for two reasons. One is, as soon as you're paying attention to difficulties, you're being aware. And if the difficulties are what's present, you're bringing attention to the present moment. The second reason is that um, once we kind of look at and work with and work through and overcome or see through the difficulties and kind of get to the other side of them, then they're not operating anymore to distract us. And then we don't have to spend a lot more time letting go, working with it, contending with it, because we've actually gone through it to the other side. And this kind of royal road to mindfulness, to awakefulness, to freedom, by going through the very difficulty, is one of the core principles of Buddhism. Um, And so with that, there's a kind of a positive regard, a certain kind of positive regard for the very difficulties that they're necessary, they're important. We learn how to address them, to be with them, uh, to see them through to the other side, to see, to become free of them. And, and um, so the hindrances are part of this. Now the five hindrances, desire, ill will, sloth and torpor, restlessness and worry, and doubt. Um, these can also be seen as strategies by which we um, uh, are trying to cope with the challenges of our life. Generally, they're not effective strategies. They're kind of malfunctioned or maladaptive strategies. But still, we're trying to deal with the challenges, and it's a strategy. So, for example, if um, when there's a lot of desire, desire can be a strategy of avoiding discomfort. We go into... Uh, wishful thinking, fantasies, planning, imagining, wanting something else, uh, feeling uncomfortable, 
feeling lonely, and then desire for food comes up and wanting food, um, and is wanting, um, feeling somehow, um, uh, uh, somehow depressed and unsure of oneself, and then uh, fantasies of sex come up and desire for sex or sensual pleasure of some kind. Alcohol, desire for alcohol and getting pleasure. That uh, these are all strategies sometimes to avoid being with what's challenging and maybe uncomfortable. As we learn mindfulness practice, we learn the value of learning how to be comfortable with discomfort. If we're only comfortable when we're, f- if we're all only free when we're un- when we're comfortable, we're not really free. And so, we have to learn to go through the discomfort or learn a whole radical different way to be with discomfort. There can even be a kind of pleasure, kind of, or kind of comfort level or ease or peace with what's uncomfortable. But if we're always kind of trying to fill it with pleasure and desire, it doesn't happen. Then um, the... Um, so then... Um, uh, for ill will, ill will is often a strategy to deal with, um, um, you know, to have ill will, blame, attacking others when we're also uncomfortable or when we're not getting what we want. We have desires, some reasonable desires, and they're frustrated. And then, you know, that frustration is dealt with by assigning blame to someone. Someone else is responsible or something. Sloth and torpor is sometimes a form of resistance. We just don't want to face something or be with something, and so we shut down and get dull and get tired. Oh, I'm so tired. I used to tell my mom when I was 10, and she would take me shopping for clothes. I'd be so tired. It's so hard. I, don't, I can't hardly walk because I just didn't like being in, shopping, in, in clothing stores. And, um, and then restlessness and worry can be also a way of avoiding difficulty by just kind of spinning around, getting all excited and agitated, not really addressing something, but kind of spinning around around it and bouncing off it. And it can be a kind of avoidance. And doubt can be avoidance of commitment or avoidance of making a decision. Um, We know what has to be done, but it's so uncomfortable or we're so unsure or we're so afraid so doubt is a strategy that sometimes, you know, there's a lot of reason doubt, thought out doubt of why, it's, why we're not sure which thing to choose. And it's sometimes a strategy of avoidance. So the, the hindrances is also strategies. And so, uh, so to turn towards the hindrances, to turn towards and see really what's going on. So there, uh, what I'll do is tell you about five practices to do, go with the, the hindrances. And these are five practices that are useful for other purposes as well. And then we'll do a meditation uh, based on these five. And these five uh, are, are uh, organized according to the acronym BELLA, B-E-L-L-A. So in Italian, it means a beautiful. And um, so it's... Uh, it's what hinders, uh, you know, it's what, what we, how we return to overcome the hindrances to the beauty of our own mind. Our minds can be beautiful if we're not hindering or covering it over or agitating it or caught up in the, the compulsion of desire, the compulsions of ill will. There is a beautiful, luminous, clear mind that awaits us. 
So this bella is the practices of how to get there. So the B um, of bella uh, stands for uh, just be, being, being with, letting things be. So B, B in terms of the letter B and E, letting things be. And uh, letting things be, uh, so letting a, a hindrance, letting strong desire and strong ill will, let it be there does not mean participating in it. It doesn't mean attacking it or indulging in it or even justifying its existence, like it's okay for it to be there. It's just allowing it time to space to, so that we're not fighting it or resisting it or engaged in it or, or, or caught up in it. It is a kind of stepping back from it, letting, giving it permission to be there um, and, uh, and discovering how to be uh, very simple in relationship to it. When things are challenging, our relationship is often compl- complicated. And we don't want it, we feel bad about ourselves for having it, we attack it, we, we have all these things we do. It's a radical thing to do, to practice letting things be. Okay, there it is. I have a lot of anger. I'm going to let the anger be. I don't necessarily want to keep it there, I don't want to act on it, but I've learned that if I can just take for begin by just letting it be, it begin finding my freedom from it. But if I'm constantly interacting with it, wanting it, being bothered by it, I'm caught in its grip. So when desire comes up, ill will, when there's sloth and torpor, when there's restlessness, when there's doubt, we kind of turn towards it and begin by just finding out how to let it be, how to be very simple in relationship to it, not being for or against it, but just, okay, here, this is what's happening. Once we um, uh, let it be, then uh, the E stands for explore, to study something, to get to know it better. And this is a little bit the bad news of mindfulness practice and also the good news is that uh, we actually give ourselves time to really get to know and study the very challenges that come up for a practice. And some of those challenges are things that are difficult to look at uh, in ourselves, things we don't want to, things we prefer to avoid or not admit to ourselves. And so we examine it, we look at it. That examination, that study of what goes on for us is a lot easier if we've done the first step. We first learn the art of letting it be. It's kind of like giving it permission to be there without indulging in it or reacting to it. And so there's less kind of complicated relationship to it. And so then it's easier to start examining it, seeing it for itself. Oh, that's how it is. That's how it is. Oh, th- I see now that I'm so uncomfortable about something and the, it's the discomfort which is triggering my desire or triggering ill will. Well, that's how it is. Uh, we can examine it physically. What is it like for a hindrance in the body? When there's very strong, these forces are very strong, almost certainly there's some physical uh, expression of it. And as soon as we discover some physical movement or energy or vitality or tightness or something in the body that's associated with any emotion or any hindrance, then we have a vantage point we have kind of leverage to learn to be present for it 
without getting swept up in the story connected to it, the ideas and desires, specific desires connected to it. It's kind of like going away from the content of distractions to um, to uh, feeling the what's really happening in and of itself. The content maybe is not so important. What's important is the physical direct experience of what's happening. So um, we might feel it <coughs> uh, cognitively with the beliefs we have, the thoughts we have. We might explore the um, emotionally what emotions are coming into play. There might be a range of emotions. There might be we're uncomfortable and then we're angry. The anger leads to ill will. We're feeling uncomfortable and therefore we feel lonely or feel despairing or discouraged and therefore we have desire for something. Uh, so we might see the underlying emotions and motivations that come up when these hindrances are there. Uh, and we might also study our relationship to it. This letting it be can sometimes only go so far and then we need to study that actually we're operating very much under being very discouraged that's there, very angry that it's there, or, or confused that we're, here we are. And sometimes what needs attention is that relationship that we have to experience. The word, as I said yesterday, for, uh, for uh, the hindrances, I mean, the, uh, the original meaning of it in Pali is coverings. And so they th- they, the hindrances sometimes cover over parts of who we are. And so sometimes you can ask yourself, what is my desire that I'm caught in and driven by? What's it covering over? Is desire, for example, covering over loneliness? Or is a desire covering over uh, a, you know, a feeling of inadequacy and I'm desiring to do something that kind of makes me feel like a good person or an adequate person or delusions of grandeur. Some people will have desire fantasies where they have fantasies about how they will do great things and, and they're caught in those fantasies. And but if they look underneath it, what's a covering is a feeling of inadequacy. So then the principle in mindfulness is that you would go and bring attention to that feeling of inadequacy. That becomes the subject. And it's, then, it's, then there's less tr- uh, movement towards the desire if the underlying symptom, the underlying cause, is brought attention to. The, um, um, anger can come from frustrated desire. Sloth and, tor- and, and torpor sometimes is a covering for fear. Uh, and um, restlessness sometimes, and it's also, and worry also can cover over a fear. Uh, I sometimes associated with uh, issues of approval and being right and in other people's eyes. And uh, then doubt can be a covering over of a reluctance to commit. So sometimes the exploring of it, we can start seeing deeply what's going on. The art of mindfulness is not to analyze and to guess and to try to intellectually figure it out. The art of mindfulness in exploring is to ask yourself the question, what is this? What's going on here? And then almost like be quiet and still and feel and sense and allow the experience to show itself more fully. Be very, almost like you get calmer and quieter in response to the question, let's explore this. What is this? 
and then feel and sense and and then all these things that I'm talking about, um, they'll kind of begin showing themselves. So let be, be, explore. Very important uh, next step is to lessen. The first L is to lessen. Lessen means to lessen the intensity, lessen the strength of it. Hindrances can be very, very powerful. They can be, and they're some of the, they propel some of the most awful things that people do in life. Uh, uh, anger can, people kill, them, kill, kill each other because of anger. People cause tremendous amount of harm to themselves and to others by acting on certain desires. Some people acting on the desires that, can, that are really a forms of addiction and they just kind of spiral out and, and uh, cause a lot of suffering to self and other. And, um, and so sometimes these hindrances are really, really powerful. And uh, rather than solving them, getting rid of them, that's too much of a challenge to kind of stop them. But maybe it's possible to lessen them. So maybe it starts by noticing the tensions in the body connected to the hindrances and then relaxing those tensions, softening. Perhaps it's getting rest. Perhaps it's going for a walk or taking a shower. Perhaps it's going for a walk with a friend or something and getting some kind of decompressing a little bit. Um, finding some way to lessen the experience. Um, this, the second L of Bella is to let go. And uh, Buddhism is often associated with letting go. Uh, but letting go is not easy to do. And letting go should be done with wisdom. You don't want to let go too early. You don't want to let go of something you haven't studied first. Examine carefully and well. Partly you might let go of the wrong thing if you do that. Or you might let go in a way that doesn't really get to the root and the bottom of things. And so you have to kind of keep letting go over and over again because the root will keep sprouting new, you know, new plants. So to let go, to release the grip, the hold in the mind, the compulsivity. And that might also be felt physically. If you're really quiet, you can sometimes feel physical tension. That's part of the, you know, gripping, holding on, being attached. And it's possible to sometimes feel a mental gripping, uh, pressure, pushing uh, that is going on with holding on or being attached to something. <clears throat> and when the hindrances are really powerful, we're attached to something. There is something we're holding on to. And so with time, we start seeing that. And when you see it, then at some point, you can release the grip. And finally, the A of Bella is to appreciate. Um, to when the hindrances have been, when we kind of let it be and examine it, there's a kind of a little bit more freedom in breathing room. Appreciate that breathing room. Appreciate you're not caught in the grip of it quite so much. As you lessen it, it feels good to have it relax a little bit. And again, this, and to feel the, appreciate the lessening of the intensity. Letting go can be very sweet and quite wonderful. And that is to appreciate the goodness that's there, the ease that comes, the peace that comes, the spaciousness that comes, the, you know, whatever, the, the, what's good that comes from having let go. And the importance of appreciation is that uh, when we appreciate something, it 
gives it a bigger chance to become part of our life, to live in us, to grow in us, to recognize it more often. We learn to appreciate that there is an alternative to being caught in the hindrances. Some people, the hindrances are so strong, they're constant companions, but it's, they're so habitual and so normalized, they don't even know that they're always involved in aversive thinking and looking at through eyes of aversion towards everything and ill will, or the eyes of worry. Just everything is worry going on. And to have a taste of the heart, the mind, without ill will, without worry and fear, um, that can be revolutionary for some people. Wow, is this possible? I had no idea. So to begin appreciating it so that it becomes a value, it becomes important, we learn to recognize it more easily, and it tends to, and we make space then for that nice states of being to grow and develop until the next hindrance attack comes. And then we see that as the royal road back to what we appreciate. So Bella, to be, examine, lesson, let go, and appreciate. So let's do a meditation. And I'll guide you through these in very simple, hopefully a very simple way. And these, this acronym, these five kind of practices, uh, can be really be done for anything. And so if there are no hindrances are up for you as we do this meditation, uh, we'll just, you can just use these for what is happening for you. So in order to um, take a, to begin the meditation, take some care in assuming a posture that really allows you to stay alert and allows you to relax. If you're too slumped in a chair or a couch, it might allow you to relax so much that you fall asleep or stay dull. If you sit up too straight, you might get tense. But where's the right balance of uprightness? Or if you're lying down, and because maybe you have body issues, uh, you might want to do something intentional, like have your arm, with your elbow to the side, and have your arm pointing towards the ceiling directly, or both arms, just so there's something that requires some alertness while the rest of the body can be uh, can relax. And then close your eyes. And take a few moments now to breathe deeply. Breathe in deeply and feel the rib cage stretch and expand. Exhale in a long, gentle way, comfortable way. So there is some, maybe even pleasure in the exhale. Not too long, not too short, but a nice long extension of exhaling. Breathing in and being reminded to be here. Breathing out and settling into here, 
to be present here and now. And then letting your breathing return to normal. And you can take a few moments to roam around your body. Relaxing anything that's being held or easy to relax your body, soften in your body. And then <clears throat> take a few moments to notice what's going on for you. What's happening? How are you feeling? You're allowed to be how you are. The task now is to simply notice what that is. And if you have one of the hindrances, desire, ill will, sloth and torpor, restlessness, worry, doubt, then for the purposes of this, this exercise, you're fortunate. You're, this is good. If you don't have them, then just simply notice what is happening for you what's happening in your body, what's happening emotionally, what's happening in your mind. And then whether or not you have the hindrance, whatever you're noticing, experiment, try out different ways to allow it to be that way. Maybe metaphorically stepping a couple of steps back and turning back and looking at what's happening as if how you are right now is permission to be there but you're observing it allowing how you are to be And if it feels uncomfortable or challenging to be with it, then it becomes a more stronger exercise in seeing how well, how much, you can just let it be without being pulled into it, involved with it, being for or against it. What you might do is, in letting it be, is to breathe with it. As if the inhales and exhales move through it, massage it, help you from being swept up in it. Breathing gives you breathing room for what's happening, 
letting it be. And then as you let it be, observe it more carefully, examine it. Again, as if it has permission to be there, whatever is happening and whatever changes to something else. Observe it carefully. And not so much that you're actively studying it, like probing it, but you're almost like settling back in an easy chair, relaxed, but you're allowing it to show itself to you more fully. You're bringing it into greater focus. So it just appears to you more clearly. That's what's happening. This is how it is physically, emotionally, mentally. See if you can lessen any of the tension, pressure, tightness. Excessive energy that might be part of this experience. Any extra tension and to lessen the tension, to relax, soften. Perhaps coming back to your breathing and breathing through and with the experience. And every time you exhale, to relax something, soften, Soften, relax the thinking mind. Exhale and soften the shoulders and the belly. Exhale and let your thinking become quieter, softer.
and then letting go. What can you let go of so that you're more present? What can you let go of so you're more aware of breathing, more aware of the present moment? As you exhale, let go of your thoughts. As you exhale, let go of your thoughts and let go into a silence, a stillness within, a quietness. And then take a few moments to appreciate anything that has shifted since the beginning of the meditation. That's nice for you. Are you a little calmer, more peaceful? A little wiser, patient? Is there any small amount of joy or delight And if there is anything to appreciate, breathe with that, as if breathing moves through what is to be appreciated.
and then coming back to the simplicity of breathing. Perhaps letting go of the five practices of Bella. Allowing yourself to be simple. Perhaps by allowing breathing to be in the center of all things. And take some moment just to breathe. And you're allowed for these few moments to just breathe. To trust yourself to breathing. And if anything makes it difficult for you to be present, to be aware of your breathing, you might in a simple way as you can bring Bella to what's difficult. Let it be to really clearly let it be. So it's really seeing it. Examine it carefully, observe it. Lessen its intensity by relaxing or softening. Let go. and appreciate. And in that appreciation to begin again with your breathing, feeling your breathing.
then in the last moments of the sitting, which of these five do you feel most comfortable with or most feels most right at this moment? Does it feel most right to be with being, being with, exploring, lessening, letting go, or appreciating? And perhaps just allow yourself to be with whatever is nice for you of these five. Perhaps while you're with your breathing or while you're simply with what is happening. to end this sitting with a few moments of appreciating whatever can be appreciated. Appreciating yourself, appreciating maybe these moments of being meditating. Maybe these teachings are meaningful for you and so you can appreciate those. And whatever warmth or happiness that comes with appreciation, allow yourself to feel that. So these five practices of Bella, you could memorize them and you could go through them. If you're really challenged by something and makes it hard for you to be present in meditation, just be reassured that it's quite appropriate to turn towards the difficulty, no matter what it is. No need to condemn it, no need to judge yourself because you have it. There's, it can be, you can be very simple. It's okay. In fact, it might even be beneficial to have a challenge difficulty because it's the very difficulty which is the door towards freedom, door towards really deepening and learning in a valuable way how to be aware, how to work through things, how to come to the other side. So, and then you could go through the Bella systematically, one after the other, or it's completely fine to do them backwards, to do them up, you know, start at the middle and going, you know, jump around. 
whatever seems the right call for you, whatever seems natural or easy. What's not helpful <laughs> is to have doubt about what to do. Should I do this one first or that one first? Then you have the hindrance of doubt. If you feel if you feel like you know this is too systematic, it's too forced, I don't really like this, I don't like to be told what to do, then maybe you have the hindrance of aversion. If you're so eager to do Bella, and it's like, oh, this is going to be great, I'm going to get some great experience, I'll have so much to appreciate, I really want to have some... Maybe the hindrance of desire has come into play in doing it. Or maybe you're just kind of like too agitated to even remember which one you're at, and it's the hindrance of agitation. Or maybe just like every time you bring up one of the letters, you find yourself beginning to fade away, nod off, get really dull, and it's the hindrance of sloth and torpor. Some of these uh, hindrances are predominate in, for individuals more than the others. For some people, desire is much stronger and regular partner than ill will, or some people it's sloth and torpor. It's the whole personalities of sloth and resistance. There's personalities of agitation and worry and anxiety. And there's a whole, you know, what predominates for some people is just doubt and confusion. It's not a personal failing if one of these five is a little bit your strong suit, more predominant in you than others. And all it means is that, of course, we all have the hindrances. It's what we're working with go to the gym and you pick up a heavy weight, go to meditation and you pick up the heavy hindrance. And this is where you're going to practice and learn to be mindful and to work through. And this constantly coming back and learning how to not to take it personally and not to be reactive and critical or be upset or discouraged by what we conventionally can call difficulties, conventionally can call distractions challenges. Eventually, the hope is that not, there are no challenges. There are no distractions. There are nothing, there's nothing to be bothered by and upset by. It's simply one other thing to bring our attention to. It's one more thing to practice mindfulness with. It's one more thing we can say, oh, this too I will include in my practice. This too is here. And in a certain way, uh, at some point, the idea that there are distractions and difficulties just fade away. And it's just more stuff. It's just stuff. It's just phenomena. Of course, there has to always be something that's happening in our experience. And now it's this. And now it's this. And now it's that. Or it's fine to tell your friends you had challenge because then they understand a little bit what you're practicing with. But now you understand the value of it. And this is a real gift that you can carry in your life, that the difficulties that come up are the place we wake up. And so no matter where you are, in social situations and practical things, computer problems that you have and you can't make it work properly, with time and practice of mindfulness, Eventually, there's a graciousness, 
there's a equanimity, there's a openness, there's a patience with how things are. Because we've learned to recognize and work with so-called challenges. We learn to stay peaceful around how things are difficult rather than take them as, oh, poor me, or this is so hard, or frustrated by it. So um, it's a journey. All this is, takes time, and but it takes developing understanding and seeing clearly what's there and becoming wise and clear about how these hindrances work is part of the task. So the plan for these next days is to go and really spend some time on each one of the hindrances so that uh, maybe you can get a better handle on it, you can see how it works for yourself, and you can become wise about your hindrances rather than being fooled by them, rather than being pulled into them, um, and they in charge of you, you can be in charge. You can become the master of your hindrance by seeing it and understanding it and learning how to step back and be mindful of it. And that's a beautiful, wonderful, important task of a human life. It's a kind of a way to mature and to grow and, and to become free. So uh, I hope that um, you have just enough hindrances in the next 23 hours that uh, you will study them and look at them and work with them. Maybe you'll have them in your daily life. And just enough, not too strong, not too few, not too many, but stay alert for the next 23 hours to see if any of these pop up for you and if you can apply Bella to them and if that's useful for you. May you enjoy your hindrances. Thank you for today.